to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, August 26th, and today Matt Bellany is here to talk about House of the Dragon, HBO's Game of Thrones spinoff that reeled in 10 million viewers for its premiere. It's a hit, but how does a show that expensive fit into David Zaslov's cost-cutting agenda at Warner Brothers Discovery? We'll hear about all that and more in today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me powers to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code POWERS. This offer is available exclusively for Powers That Be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Friday, everybody. If it's Friday, it means we are two days from Sunday, which is when episode two of House of the Dragon comes out on HBO. I'm joined today by Matt Bellany to talk about the fates and fortunes of House of the Dragons, uh, House Targaryen, but also House Zaslov. Matt, did you watch the premiere of the show? I did not. I am not a Game of Thrones person, unfortunately. Okay. But I recognize I am in the minority. If we look at the numbers from the premiere of House of the Dragon, the numbers that HBO released. 10 million people showed up to watch this thing in the first day and a half, which is a lot. It's uh, the biggest premiere in HBO's history, they said. Now, we don't know what the ultimate number will be for the first episode. Usually, about seven days out, they'll give us a sense of how many people watched in the first week. But it's going to be huge. It's going to be probably the biggest premiere in HBO's history, probably the biggest premiere of 2022, according to the services that track these numbers. Yes, and, and we should note Amazon has a Lord of the Rings prequel coming out too. Which I have seen, which is pretty good. So that's not coming out until September 2nd. So HBO has two full weeks before Lord of the Rings to kind of run rampant over this. Gotcha. So how does the House of the Dragon uh, number, how does that compare to Game of Thrones? How big was their audience at their peak? Oh, well, for the final 
season, they were averaging way more than that. I think it got up to like 44 million for oh one of those final episodes when you counted all in the number of people that it, it, it generated. But this is bigger. 10 million is bigger than the season premiere of the original Game of Thrones, which obviously was nothing at the time and there was no goodwill associated with it, just some books that people had heard of. So it's not quite fair. Also, the evolution of HBO in that time period has been pretty significant. If you look back to when Game of Thrones premiered, I believe it was 2013. Uh -huh. And it had, there was, you know, there was a digital product, there was HBO Go, but the vast majority of viewing was linear and, you know, on your television. And the vast majority of that viewing was night of. It wasn't uh -huh. even TiVo'd. I mean, although there were DVRs, the vast majority of people watched it either that night or early the next day. So flash forward to now when the majority of viewing is not even occurring on television, it's occurring on digital within the app. And the majority is not probably going to happen that night. Yeah. But Game of Thrones actually premiered, uh, this is crazy to me, on April 17th, 2011. So over a decade ago. Oh, 2011. There you go. Okay. So it was even before then. So the original showrunners... David Benioff and, and D.B. Weiss, the folks who did Game of Thrones, decided not to come back for a spinoff or any spinoffs. What's the gossip around that? So, you know, it was pretty clear by the end of Game of Thrones that the original creators, Benioff and Weiss, they were not going to do another one. They had other things they wanted to do. It's an extremely taxing show to make. I mean, they go over to Croatia for months and months at a time. I mean, this was beyond what had been done on television before. I mean, these were movies with special effects and dragons and, you know, huge extra casts and everything. They were burnt out. Now, the final season of Game of Thrones was not very well received either. The mm -hmm. fans kind of revolted against the show when it deviated away from where the books had taken it. So I don't think HBO was that interested in bringing them back. They also had gigantic deals at HBO that they'd make they'd made tons of money on this. And if they were to come back, they would have asked for the moon in the sky to do it again. So I think the idea was to have new people come in. Now, what HBO isn't talking about right now is the fact that they actually made a prequel show before House of the Dragon that they completely scrapped. Hmm. I mean, Naomi Watts was in it. They had done a full pilot. They, you know, got pretty far on it. And they basically decided that it wasn't working and it wasn't up to the standard of Game of Thrones. So they were just not going to do it. It's a testament to the HBO brand that they didn't. Most networks probably would have just said, you know what? It's Game of Thrones. People are going to watch it. F it. Let's do it. And HBO said, you know what? This is our marquee show. We got to get this right. They went back to the drawing board. They got new people involved and they came up with something that the fans, at least according to the first episode, do like. Your pal Bill Simmons had a take on his prestige TV podcast a while back about Showtime and how like when they come up with a hit like Homeland, they just run it into the ground because like or like billions. They'll just keep it going and going because like, ah, why not? Let's just do it. It's inventory. <laughs> like it's content. Yeah, Shameless. I mean, Shameless went on even after Emmy Rossum left the show. Exactly, exactly. And so like he was worried that they're going to do the same thing to Yellow Jackets. Matt, stay with me real quick. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about what this show means for the head of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslov, and his strategy moving forward to cut costs seemingly everywhere.
Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right, Matt. So David Zaslov, the head of Warner Brothers Discovery, Zaz, as we know him at Puck, <laughs> has made you know a big show of, of wanting to cut costs everywhere. House of the Dragon is an expensive show. Uh, it existed and was in development before Zaslov took over. But I assume now that's a hit, he'll keep investing in it. How does that square with him wanting to cut costs everywhere while also investing in something so big as this Game of Thrones show? We've seen the messaging from Zaslav is that he he knows that he can't just trim everything. This is a no-brainer. It's Game of Thrones. They know they're going to get a return on this investment. In fact, they were running subscription discounts in order to get people to sign up just to watch House of the Dragon. So they know that this is something that they need to put money into. I would not worry about budget cuts if I were on Game of Thrones. It's Everything that's not Game of Thrones, that's the problem. We saw this past week, the Batman director, Matt Reeves, who delivered a pretty successful hit in the recent Batman reboot. He just did a new deal with Warner Brothers and you know they re-signed him and they got him attached to all these projects. But at the same time, 
they shelved a Batman animated show that Matt Reeves was working on. So presumably this is a valued talent that they want to be in business with. They just didn't do a deal with him, but not so much that they wanted to keep his show going. And they say that it will find a home elsewhere, that they're not going to completely kill the project. But that was going to be on HBO Max, and it's not going to be there now. Our colleague Julia Alexander wrote also this week on Puck that Zaslav ordered the removal of 36 series from HBO Max, including 200 episodes of Sesame Street, animated shows like Infinity Train and Close Enough, and things like The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Uh, There's some HBO Max originals he killed. What is he trying to do there, too? I mean, how does that save money? That is a very complicated formula where they have to pay residuals on these shows that they are distributing on the streaming service. So even though they own the show and they already paid for it, the longer you distribute it, you have to pay for that right. So they're going to save money in residuals by not airing it. And it makes the show available to package and sell off to potential other platforms. So you can make money on the show by giving it to somebody else when it's not generating very much engagement on your own platform. That's basically the financial calculus there. The strategic calculus is these are mostly children's oriented shows, a lot of animated stuff, but it's mostly things that appeal to families. HBO is pulling back from that arena because they know that there's a lot of competition. Disney and Netflix and Paramount Plus are all leaning into the family market. And that's not really HBO's core strength. They know that, they, you know, they play, they've had Sesame Street, they've had Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, Cartoon Network. They've had assets on HBO Max that are appealing to families. But while they haven't revealed numbers, what this suggests, the engagement numbers for that content is not justifying the cost. So they're going to pull back when they're under financial pressure. What's the gossip around town among creators? Like if you're a writer or showrunner, are are they cranky with HBO? Or agents being like, we're going to go to other platforms. HBO is just like cutting costs here and there. Like what's their reputation? What's the gossip around town right now with all this pullback? HBO is still HBO. It still is the marquee place that you want to work. But there is a sense in the creative community that the ownership of HBO is sort of slashing and burning here. They really are appealing to the Wall Street investor rather than the creative community. And they're trying to have it both ways. They have these pristine entertainment brands like Warner Brothers and HBO, but they have this crushing debt and they have to do something. And they're doing it in in kind of an inelegant way. I mean, scrapping a movie like Batgirl and like Scoob, the sequel, that is a very inelegant way to save money. And it's pretty clear the CEO doesn't care about that, but that's going to have repercussions for the creative community. And people are talking about it. It's sad what people say. All right, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, What are you going to be watching on Sunday night instead of House of Dragon, uh, the Dodgers game, I guess? Yeah, although they usually play in the afternoon. But I'm still catching up on The Rehearsal, which is another HBO Max Mm. show, the Nathan Fielder show, which I think is brilliant. Um, I have to finish a couple episodes of that. And John Oliver, I always love on Sundays on HBO. Uh, but I may be going to other services other than HBO. All right, Matt, thank you so much for your insight. And everyone, make sure to listen to The Town, Matt's podcast about the biz here in LA. Have a great weekend, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. 
You can visit us at puck.news and on Twitter at pucknews. I'm Peter Hamby. See you next week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 